Welcome to the Principled Podcast, brought to you by LRN. The Principled Podcast brings together the collective wisdom on ethics, business and compliance, transformative stories of leadership, and inspiring workplace culture. Listen in to discover valuable strategies from our community of business leaders and workplace changemakers. How does the largest American defense contractor with 116,000 employees worldwide ensure the highest standards in its ethics and compliance program. This is a particular challenge with the war in Ukraine that's resulted in more sanctions, tightened export controls, and other regulatory challenges. It's also a very important topic given that until the mid-70s, the U.S. defense industry had a series of scandals that caused a loss of confidence on the part of regulators and resulted in questionable practices. But the good news is what emerged was a defense industry committed to the highest ethical standards. Lockheed Martin is a good example of that as the largest American global security and aerospace company with, as I mentioned, 116,000 employees worldwide and $66 billion in revenue last year. It has 395 facilities worldwide and more than 13,000 suppliers, and the company operates in 78 countries. Managing Lockheed's compliance risks effectively is essential to its success and the task of its ethics and compliance program. Also, creating an inclusive and inspirational ethical culture is critical. So hello and welcome to another episode of LRN's Principled Podcast. I'm your host, Susan Divers, Director of Thought Leadership and Best Practices at LRN Corporation, and today I'm joined by Jim Byrne, Lockheed's Vice President for Ethics and Business Conduct. Jim is a veteran Marine and a former federal prosecutor with a background that also includes working in Lockheed Martin's legal department for nine years and recently serving as the deputy secretary of the Department of Veterans Affairs. Jim returned to Lockheed Martin and assumed the ethics and compliance role in November, 2021. Jim, thanks for your service and thanks for coming on Principled Podcast. Thank you for having me, Susan. I'm looking forward to it. Jim, let's jump right in. You play a critical role in a very large, prominent company in the global security and aerospace industry. And one of the ways you've tackled that role in the last year and a half is to think about certain ethics and compliance program elements as force multipliers. Can you tell us what you mean by that and how it works in practice? Sure. All ethics and compliance programs have a code of conduct in some degree of ethics and compliance training. But one of the most challenging aspects of developing and sustaining an effective ethics and compliance program is discovering how other different program elements complement each other to expand your program and establish a more positive, inclusive culture, which is the main goal. Like tackling a giant jigsaw puzzle, Building an effective ethics and compliance program requires thoughtful observation, patience, trial and error, and a willingness to try new combinations. 
Our military defines force multiplier as a capability that when added and employed by a combat force, significantly increases the combat potential of that force and thus enhances the probability of mission accomplishment. In the context of a corporation, multiple elements of an ethics and compliance program work together to become force multipliers and maintain a strong ethical work environment. That makes sense. Turning to one of the perennial debates in the ethics and compliance community, the issue of rules and values. For a long time, the prevailing theory seemed to be that more rules were the solution to every challenge, risk, or compliance failure. How do you see that question in terms of your approach? So what began at Lockheed Martin in 1995, when the corporation was formed, as largely a compliance-based ethics program to prevent and detect criminal conduct and identify waste, fraud, and abuse, it has matured a lot since then into a richer value-based program that empowers employees to own their ethical workplace and act when something is amiss. A robust program goes beyond compliance-based initiatives and incorporates a values-based mission. Let's look at the individual elements of your program that you see as those critical force multipliers. And let's start with the role of values and talk about how you use those in your program, if we can. Sure. Core values and beliefs demonstrate a shared purpose. They're critical common strengths in a strong culture. Starting with leadership, a company's values form the basis for establishing behavioral expectations and compliance requirements. A positive, diverse, open, and inclusive work environment starts with a culture where employees can ask questions or report potential violations transparently and without fear of retaliation. This is only achieved with buy-in and commitment from every single leader and every single employee. Our core values at Lockheed Martin do what's right, respect others, and perform with excellence, are easy to understand, and have proven to be quite memorable for employees. That's impressive, particularly in such a big, diverse company. What about the role of ethics professionals? What are their qualifications? What's their function? And how much autonomy do they have? So our full-time professional ethics officers with diverse backgrounds and professional certifications are really well-equipped to actively engage with employees and leaders. Ethics officers succeed when they establish a reputation of independence and confidentiality. Ethics officers should be subject matter experts regarding the organization's code of conduct, policies, and investigative techniques. This provides a level of confidence to those seeking assistance. An ethics office which reports directly to the CEO and board of directors and not under any functional department like legal or HR, contributes to the function's autonomy and objectivity. That also is a best practice. Tell me now about radical transparency. I understand that you use sanitized summaries when misconduct takes place as teaching aids, and I understand that you use surveys going beyond the typical annual employee survey And you also use sustainability report data to really understand what's going on. If you could explain about that, that would be very helpful. 
Sure. Yes, we do. And we're actually very proud of how the return on investment has been demonstrated with this. A mature ethics program shares data, metrics, and even anonymized investigative scenarios internally and externally without compromising the confidentiality of reporting parties or subjects. So, for example, our annual sustainability report includes ethics program data in the ethical governance and leadership section. This includes ethics investigation feedback survey scores from the reporting parties and from the subjects, which is very unique. All employee surveys offer invaluable insights into how employees respond when observing behaviors that could involve misconduct. Survey questions can entail asking employees what barriers might prevent them from reporting misconduct, including fear of retaliation or a concern that nothing will come from their report. Surveys can also ask employees whom they are most likely to report any concerns. I understand that you also have, somewhat unusually, an internally staffed hotline. How does that work? And what are the pros and cons that you've seen of an internally staffed hotline versus one that's outsourced? And what's the impact on anonymous reporting? All right. Thank you for that question. So the ethics office may have only one opportunity to engage with the reporting party about information that the reporting party wants to provide. To ensure a productive discussion, consider hosting an internally staffed helpline in which employees are connected to an internal career ethics professional or another company resource. Broadly advertising your helpline and reassure potential callers that they can remain anonymous if they prefer. So your question, what possible results come from an internally hosted helpline? Well, for us, we've seen an anonymous reporting rate well below 10%. This may well be the outcome of employees reaching a knowledgeable ethics officer who understands the company's business and culture and confidentiality. Talking to someone who understands their work environment fosters a sense of trust and encourages them to speak up if they see something amiss or have a question. Well, that certainly makes your hotline much more effective. What about outreach to suppliers, stakeholders, and the community? How do you handle that? Sure. A strong ethics team reaches beyond even the immediate employee population. It is just as essential to be outward-facing, actively engaged with your global supply chain, academic partners, industry groups, and local communities to share best practices and insights. So giving back in the form of supplier mentoring programs or academic engagement activities has never been more important and reaps significant dividends for all stakeholders. An ethical supply chain and pipeline of young ethical talent joined to sustain and grow our operations. The sixth annual ethics and engineering case competition was recently hosted by the Lockheed Martin Ethics and Business Conduct Team on February 28th and March 1st at our corporate headquarters in Bethesda, Maryland. This is a key event for Lockheed Martin to highlight business ethics in engineering and technology-oriented scenarios. Future ethical engineers are critical to our company and our national security and contributing to the ethical development of the future workforce and strengthening our academic partnerships is a core objective of the Ethics and Business Conduct Program here at Lockheed Martin. 
That's a very enlightened view and really aimed at building a sustainable community of people who are ethics-minded. But before we run out of time, can you provide me with some advice for ENC professionals who may be listening, who are thinking about taking on a new role, leading a program? How do you set your priorities and establish credibility at the outset? And what's the most important factors for success? So I'm going to give a little plug for the Defense Industry Initiative, the DII Six Principles, because I think that's always a very safe place to start. And those principles include having and adhering to written codes of conduct, training employees in those codes, encourage internal reporting of violations of the codes within an atmosphere free of retribution, practice self-governance through the implementation of systems to monitor compliance with federal procurement laws, and the adoption of procedures for voluntary disclosures of violations to the appropriate authorities. Also, share with other firms the best practices in implementing the principles, and particularly best practices forum at the DII where we participate, and then be accountable to the public. To reiterate what I talked about earlier, successful ethics and compliance programs have multiple program elements working synergistically. A robust program goes beyond compliance-based initiatives and incorporates a values-based mission. Employee and investigations feedback surveys provide important, actionable data. An internal helpline can enhance the ethics and compliance program and foster trust. And external engagement, such as supply chain mentoring and academic partnerships discussed earlier, can sustain and grow your program. But the most important measure of success, which is part of your question, is when a speak-up culture exists across an organization. A speak-up culture is a healthy workplace where employees do not fear retaliation for bringing forward issues and concerns. Jim, thank you for providing us with that picture of your program and how you're using force multipliers to really impact behavior in the workplace. It's a very impressive picture and one that I think inspires confidence that Lockheed is meeting the compliance and ethics challenges that it faces. So clearly this is a conversation we could be having all day, but we're out of time for now. So Jim, thank you for joining me on this episode. Thank you. My name is Susan Divers, and I want to thank you all for listening to the Principled Podcast by LRN. We hope you enjoyed this episode. The Principled Podcast is brought to you by LRN. At LRN, our mission is to inspire principled performance in global organizations by helping them foster winning ethical cultures rooted in sustainable values. Please visit us at LRN.com to learn more. And if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave us a review.